0: he press the marzipan button. <laughs> oh, no, where is it? Where, where is, is it? it? Where is it? <laughs> we, need, we need one of those, yeah.
1: <laughs> this is episode 268 of Bourbon Pursuit, the podcast featuring news, reviews, and interviews with people making the bourbon whiskey industry happen. Before we learn a little bit about Baker's bourbon today, here's your weekly bourbon news update. Researchers in Finland think they have discovered a cure to hangovers. In a study published Tuesday in the Journal of Alcohol and Alcoholism, researchers from the University of Helsinki and the University of Eastern Finland found that amino acid L-cysteine relieved alcohol-induced ailments such as nausea, headache, stress, and anxiety. Good way to get rid of those Sunday shakies. Woodford Reserve Assistant Master Distiller Elizabeth McCall, who's back on the podcast on episodes 84 and 211, has joined the ranks of wine enthusiasts 40 under 40 tastemakers of 2020. And this recognizes young winemakers, brewers, beverage directors, and others who are changing today's beverage industry. And she was recognized in part for her work to grow rye grain in Kentucky to be used in bourbon. Congrats, Elizabeth. And moving on to bourbon release news the 2020 Four Roses Small Batch Limited Edition has been announced. It's one of the most coveted bottles that are coming out in the fall every single year. And this year, It's once again a non-chill filtered and bottled at 111.4 proof. It will be a blend of 12-year OBSV, and that is going to be 30% of the blend, 12-year OESV at 25%, 16-year OESK at 25%, and the final 20% of the blend is 19-year OBSK. Four Roses will distribute approximately 14,000 hand-numbered bottles of the 2020 limited edition small batch to be sold in the United States We'll have a suggested retail price of $150, and there's also an online lottery for you to be able to get your bottles in person. You can go and check that out at fourroses.com. Maker's Mark has announced the launch of the Maker's Mark 2020 limited release. It's a result of more than 12 months of experimentation with Maker's Mark's barrel producer, Independent Stave Company. The first stave in the 2020 limited release is SE4, and it's made from virgin French oak. And a convection cooked at medium heat with a short toast period and is responsible for much of that caramel flavor and the second save is pr5 it is made from virgin american oak and a convection cooked at low heat very slowly over time to bring out vanilla It'll be bottled at 110.8 proof and each bottle of this limited release will retail for a suggested price of 59.99 it'll be available nationwide beginning in september Freddie No, the 8th generation beam distiller and creator of Little Book Whiskey, and also our guest back on episode 254, has announced the 4th installment in his annual limited edition series of blends called Little Book Chapter 4, Lessons Learned. The blend consists of 4-year-old Kentucky Straight Bourbon Brown Rice, an 8-year-old Kentucky Straight High Rye Rye Whiskey, and a 7-year-old Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. It will be bottled at 122.8 proof and will be available nationwide in limited quantities starting in August of 2020, with a suggested retail price of $124.99. And the Pursuit team, well, we're back at it again. If you happen to be scrolling through the TTB this last week, you may have seen a new label approval, and we're pleased to announce Pursuit United. It's a project that we've been working on for almost eight months. Blending lots of different mash bills from lots of different distilleries to find that perfect balance of rich complexity, sweet oak, and those fruity flavors. We're fortunate enough to have worked with some of the great icons in the industry to help us dial in our blending skills. And the final blend will be barrels from Kentucky, New York, and Tennessee. And I don't know what you're thinking, but it's not from that distillery in Tullahoma. And as whiskey enthusiasts, we couldn't be happier to bring a product to the market that will be offered at 108 proof. So you can look for more information that's gonna come for Pursuit United here in the very near future. This initial release will be around 2,000 bottles. It'll be available online at Sealbox and select retailers in Kentucky, Tennessee, Georgia, and Texas with an estimated SRP of $65. Now in more Bourbon Pursuit news, in the past two weeks, we've selected two barrels from Balcones, two barrels from Bullet, and two barrels from Wild Turkey for Russell's Reserve. That puts us up to 30 barrels that we've selected so far in 2020. You can get more information on how to get hands on these bottles and actually join us in some of the barrel selections themselves by going to patreon.com slash pursuit. For today's podcast, we know that Bakers is a brand that we've discussed. We've done it before with Beams brand ambassador, Beth Burrows back on episode 95. But this time we dive into the whiskey itself. And today, Patreon supporter Joel Francis sent us three blind samples of Booker's. It's the new single-barrel seven-year-old, the old seven-year small batch with that black wax that's no longer in production, and the most recent limited edition of the Baker's 13-year. Which one's going to come out on top? Just stay tuned to find out. With that, enjoy today's episode. And here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char.
0: I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char, I've written about this a lot over the years and tweet about it even more. And for some reason, it just drives me crazy. It bugs me to no end when a distillery talks about they are the first at something. Now, I know what a lot of people say, well, if it's something significant, shouldn't they point it out? I'm finding that more and more and more distilleries are touting things that they're the first at that nobody cares about. We were the first to change a light bulb over a fermentation tank. Listen, I don't care about that. We were the first to have a broom closet on the same floor as our warehouse crew. Nobody cares. And the fact is, is most of these things that somebody was first at, like let's say uh, the first, uh, barrel finish of a particular type of barrel, when you dig down the line, they actually were not the first. So not only do people say they claim they are the first at something, they don't even do their homework to kind of validate that they are the first. Now, that was a big thing when somebody would say that they were the first distillery in a state during prohibition, uh, or since prohibition. And I remember somebody did that with Indiana. I don't remember the distillery, but somebody said that, uh, they were the very first distillery in Indiana since Prohibition. And all of us were kind of scratching our heads. Um, did someone forget to tell uh, MGP, formerly LDI and Seagrams, that um, they were open after Prohibition? So so if you're a distiller, if you are someone that you feel like you need to make a claim out there, that you are the first or whatever and you're proud of it, go for it. Do it. Just one, make sure it's significant enough that people are going to care and two, just do your homework and make sure that you are legitimately the first at whatever it is. And that's this week's Above the Char. Hey, did you know I just produced the Bourbon Women Conference, a sip summer series? Oh man, it was three days of fun. You can go to my YouTube and check it out. A lot of educational stuff. My two favorite uh, episodes were the Whistle Pigs uh, yeast seminar and uh, Mictor's on low barrel entry proof. Go to my YouTube page, check it out. Till next week, cheers.
1: and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof, and the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new And we're back with another episode of Bourbon Pursuit. It's the official podcast of Bourbon, but you all know that. You're dedicated listeners. And today the whole team is here and we're doing something that's actually a suggestion from one of our Patreon members. And it was to kind of look at the Baker's line because Baker's has sort of seen a resurgence uh, in the past, I don't know, year and a half. I guess that's probably the best way to say it. You know, we've all been accustomed for the longest time. You had the Uh, baker it's always been at least a seven year age dated product but you always had the small batch product that was the black wax that also had the black label on it It was kind of dark and hidden in the corner you didn't really see it too much and then they revitalized the package you had the new uh, actually just they got rid of the small batch made it a single barrel gave it a little bit better of a packaging design and then they came out with the 13 year limited edition and they said hey i want you guys to taste these blind them and see which one you, you like best. All right. You know,
0: yeah. when I think of Baker's um I think of the actual human being, you know, that it's named after and uh you know, he was the Baker Beam was the master distiller for for Jim Beam, but he was kind of like the I don't want to say he was the outcast. I mean, he's and he's still with us. He's very much uh still uh, you know, got his wit and everything, but he's kind of like the guy that um was you know, they were like, okay, um, maybe don't bring your Harley to the, you know, to the gathering this week. You know, he he was a, he was a guy, you know, and he would just like- uh, He was a man's man, is he was, kind of Yeah, yeah, he was a man's man and still is. Um, and like, so while Booker No kind of became the face of, of that company, you know, Baker was very much behind the scenes doing a lot. And so they named a whiskey after him. And for a long time, it's just been 107. You know, 107. And I think someone at the company was like, why the hell don't we get Booker or Baker out to more things? I mean, he's a legacy of our of our company. And then suddenly started seeing him at like their, um, their honorary barrel rolls and they would recognize him more. But I would say, man, as Bourbon was getting its resurgence, they didn't bring him out to stuff. And so I, I'm glad to see that someone in that company... Uh, appreciate, you know, appreciates him and is recognizing him for, you know, the great distiller uh, he was. And uh, these new expressions and everything, it's just exciting, you know, because we're getting a lot you know, a few things to taste when, hell, we all like to taste yeah, something. I not yeah. say no to that.
1: Yeah. I mean, the other thing I, I kind of see about the kind of the, the resurgence of the brand is we see this across a lot of portfolios of a lot of different companies. They they take something that's been on the shelves for a while. I mean, Ryan, we've seen what's happened with 1792 in the past. Early you, times. You I know, mean, every, kind
2: of everything. Forgotten thing. And now, the, you know, mm-hmm. they revamp that. But yeah, I mean, Bakers, I mean, on the small batch collection, there was so much focus on Booker's and Knob Creek that, Nobody really ever gave Bakers, you know, it's due Um I always thought it was better than both of those. yeah um, but uh you know, it just you kind of forget about it cuz like you said it was never promoted. It's kind of a boring package back in the day, but now that they've revamped, I love the packaging of it and uh I'm I'm sure the whiskey will follow it, but uh it's always been a a
0: a great product for me. You know, it it, it the 107, man. I I I would tell you that there are not many bourbons that were better suited to make cocktails. Like, it tasted great by itself. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's perfectly proved at 107. Like,
2: Booker's is always like, all right, that's a little, you know, I mean, it's good, but it's like, holy hell, it punches you, you know, whereas 107 is real more balanced for you, so. Yeah, I think
1: the one thing that I'm kind of nervous today is that these are all be blind samples, so we don't know what we're going to be getting, you know, which one's A, which one's B, which one's C, but if for some reason the small batch comes out ahead, I'm going to be on like a hunt to try to find the last remaining wax tops that are available in the city.
2: Yeah. So do you know, do you know what they, do you have the results? The results are here in my email. I haven't opened it up yet. yet. I haven't looked at it yet.
1: So this is all going to be, we're all. Let's keep this fair now. Yes. Mm -hmm. We're all, we're all going into this blind. So we've got three samples, A, B, and C. So I guess uh, let's start naturally with, with A here. Okay. Kind of figure out where we're going. So I'm, I'm glad to have, you know, both. Fred and Ryan here to kind of go over tasting notes uh, and do these
2: all three of us together Mm. it's kind of we don't do this much I I know I enjoy these
0: (laughs) I enjoy hanging out with you guys
2: yeah I would say the nose this is
1: really good it's I mean I get like cherry and it's Also we have to preface this so this is recording and this is our our first drinks of the day so we're we're making it happen yeah, early on it's
0: about 10 am <laughs> yeah it's about 10 a.m 18 you know usually this is about my fourth drink of the day but, uh, <laughs> yeah well yeah. you know you're, most
2: tasting panels they taste in the morning you know, yeah so that's what we got. We got to follow their footsteps. I usually brush know? my teeth with Jim Beam White, you know. <laughs> to rinse instead of Listerine. It's like, <laughs> just swish well, it around. Well,
0: my Listerine is uh, Elijah Craig. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. You know, <laughs>
2: just to make we sure. Don't make any correlation there. <laughs> just to make sure, you know, when you go out, be like, no, officer, I, that's my daily hygiene. That's yes. That's like with all the hand sanitizer stuff, you know, made by the distilleries. And we've been using them in our trucks and put them in spray bottles and I'm like, if you ever get pulled over and be like, I promise officer, I'm just spraying like neutral, you know, high proof neutral grain spirits. It's not, (laughs) it's, I'm not boozing back here. (laughs) Cause it does just like you spray it. it smells like, you know, somebody has been pounding vodka or something.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's some of them that smell just awful. Uh, I told you guys this story. Like I, I, my son's daycare had, had like one of those uh, pump bottles. I pumped it washed my hands when they got in the car and smelled my hand. I got an instant headache. I I, I was sick to my stomach. It was just after just smelling it. And I'm like, I, I don't know what they were using, the process they were using. But I immediately, you know, went to Barrel Bourbon. I said, hey, can you give, can I buy or get, you know, some hand sanitizer <laughs> for you, and I took it back to my daycare because no parents should have to have that on their damn hands. <laughs> <laughs> yep. but back to the tasting your note, your note on cherry is really spot on. I'm curious. does anyone else get this big old honey note there? I get a big yeah. old honey here, yeah, kind of me i I gotta get like
2: like a orange marmalade sugary type flavor with a, and then a lot of Kenny's favorite like sweet oat kind of on the nose um. Mm. The nose is really good.
0: A is going to be hard to beat for me, man. That's hitting all the points of my palate. Yeah, I the, agree. The nose is like perfect for yeah. me. <laughs> uh, I haven't tried it yet.
1: Gosh, just first one going into it. If this isn't the 13 year, I'd be surprised.
0: Well, it's freaking good. Yeah. And usually when Beam when beam is between, um, between six and 10 years old, for me, there's always a cornbread note. And so I'm with you. This is definitely... It is past that cornbread note now mm-hmm. to where it's like honey and caramelization, um, and all that. And so if it is, you know, it's friggin', it's gorgeous. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's tons s- of solid
2: whiskey here. Citrus, a lot of sugar, and then like just a Uh-oh. real nice, what nice like spice at the end. Like oh. it's like, I don't know. It's it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Can he press the marzipan button? <laughs> oh, where is it? Where's where's it? it? Where is it? <laughs> we
1: need we need one of those. Yeah, it's like boom need some kind of like bell to go off
0: or something oh like my that. god can we just drink all of
2: can can we, we just, just have start, a yeah, yeah we probably just day. let's go b and c out of there the yeah that kind of almond cream thing going to yeah no it's a, there's there's like everything going on oh in this. my gosh I
0: mean, this is so, is, it, is it just because we're so thirsty and like we just <laughs> you know it's our first drink of the day and we're like we haven't seen each other in so yeah. long and so we're having like a little nostalgia here
2: our tongues are like thank god we needed that bourbon <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Start your day. You Needed the shot. It's like coffee. <laughs> it's like- Which you know, it. Uh, every time we come here and do a show, I'm, I always think to myself, I need to bring my own coffee because Kenny doesn't. Kenny and Lauren yeah, don't drink he coffee. Drink coffee. Okay. I, I'm still wrapping my head around how you don't drink coffee. I just, it's never
1: something that we've. Really, I don't know. I never really. Do your parents it. drink coffee? My parents actually do. Uh, I mean, my dad started tailoring off a little bit. They I mean they used to be like four or five cups in the morning kind
2: of people, mm. and now like, they've they've God started. Kind of people. Yeah. Kenny, Kenny's so high energy. High energy. Anyways, I it's think. True. I think when he drinks it, it gives him a little jitters <laughs> and anxiety, which it's true. I can only drink one cup per day, or one cup or two espressos per day, or I like in in anxiety panic mode. Wow. Like I get See, jittery
0: and like it. It calms me
1: oh not me i mean if some people i mean i've had it before like you go out to a nice dinner and they're like oh would you like a coffee afterwards are you making an italian dinner or something like that i'm like yeah, yeah you know sure fine and then it's like 3 a.m i'm just like just yeah.
2: wide awake my eyeballs are shaking it's just like <laughs> i can't i can't do coffee like i can nail it down to like if i drink past like 2 30 like i can't sleep that night like it'll stay in me, and man, i'll just like won't be able to fall asleep it I'm really sensitive to caffeine, and I'm sure you are too. I'm
1: not sensitive;
2: it's just something that I've I never am. really gravitated towards. I
1: mean, well, I think it sounds like you're
0: sensitive. Well, I? Your eyeballs all are shaking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not sensitive. <laughs> no, I promise
1: I can handle a lot. <laughs> I get stung with a bee and just my face explodes. Um, no, I, it's just something that my body just probably you know it hasn't been used to it, so therefore it doesn't develop it or doesn't you know it it can't process it the same yeah. exact way. It is a drug.
0: Now, if I don't have coffee. For an expe- extended period of time, do not come near me. <laughs> my head hurts so badly. Yeah, my insides are like screaming at me. You are right; it is a drug. And in the Mormon faith, they're like, "Don't touch, don't touch caffeine. It's a drug." And it, it, it there's not a thing. When the when everything kind of started, I was like, "You guys can take my whiskey away, but you touch my fucking coffee, you're dead." <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, I was, I, was, I don't know why I was listening to a coffee
2: podcast. Not to get on coffee, <laughs> but uh, they were talking about how it tr- it doesn't actually give you energy. It just tricks your brain. There's a you know chemical you release when you get like melatonin, whatever, to to get tired. But it tricks it to shut off those triggers to make you tired. So it like bypasses and you just never feel tired. And so that's why it's harder to fall asleep. Or it's like whatever. cocaine. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a mild version cocaine and coffee what could yeah, go wrong that's coca-cola you know <laughs> you got caffeine and cocaine
1: mm-hmm. uh, so too. yes <laughs> <laughs> on to b now moving to b yeah. Co- Num-
2: coffee pursuit number b
0: all right so we definitely my nose is already picking up like a steep drop from uh from the nose uh,
2: yeah uh, this, this is, is grains more, coming in yeah it's a little kind of more malty like chocolate little notes on there I,
1: I want to say I don't know, Fred. If you ever get this, if if you t- smell some kind of whiskeys, and you're like, you ever you ever had the when you were a kid and you had just like a jar full of pennies and you had like just pennies yeah. all over your hand, uh, Do you yeah, smell like your hand, metallic. yeah. I mean, yeah. you yeah. get that
2: the nickel or whatever, or the iron taste, like when you like you take a cap off the beer. And you taste like the metal
1: and and i'm not saying this has a has a huge pronounced flavor that i just think going from a to b it just kind of like showed up there yeah if i was to go in directly with b i probably wouldn't be able to pull that out
0: yeah so b does that cornbread note it's got the cornbread note (laughs) you know cornbread just a drizzle of honey just a touch of salt and pepper but it's still good i mean (laughs) i enjoy it but again but a is like yeah a's come on over and stay the night and b's like you know what? I'll call you tomorrow. Yeah.
2: Well, B is very one dimensional. Whereas A had like a plethora of things you could pull from it. Mm -hmm. This has got that. And it might be because you said it, but cornbread, but (laughs) no, it does have like that doughy kind of like multi kind of a little bit chocolate kind of in there for me. But um, the finish doesn't last as long. Yeah. It's very short. um, Whereas the first one, I mean, it kept building for me.
0: Mm -hmm. I know. I guess
2: yeah.
1: uh a question for you all is why do you think bakers wanted to move from a small batch to a single barrel? I, I think that's it seems to me seems ass backwards. <laughs> it, well it does it seems different in
0: regards of like oh, okay, I, how do we streamline how do we make this, oh, you know, this easier, is, but this is marketing one oh one. You know, they're just like uh, and it's also like managing supply, you know. What what the um what Henry McKenna did. Was it kind of like put a, a put a, a Henry McKenna and Blanton's kind of put like this like um, this face to to like demand uh, to the distillers, and they're looking at like all this, this all these people hunting Henry McKenna and Blanton's, and they're both single barrels. I wonder why on Henry McKenna. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: guilty as charged. Yeah.
0: But uh, so all these brands are like. Okay, guys, we need to have a, a single barrel and then maybe throw in a honey barrel to go win something, you know that sort of thing. And um and I think you started seeing you started seeing that. And then on the supply side, maybe they only do three hundred barrels a year of this. And now that frees up a lot of whiskey for you know something else. So it so it does two things. It puts a it, it puts like a new new conversation out there, a different type of demand. Uh, a different type of seeker of, of the whiskey. Yeah. And it, I guess as a buyer, you, you, you never know what you're going to, that's the
2: exciting thing about single barrels. Mm-hmm. It might taste completely different, but you might get one that's like far above, you know, all the others. And, you know, you kind of have this like magic barrel, you know, that you pick up versus just like the same offering every single time. So it's yeah. like a whiskey geek. It kind of makes it a little more appealing than just a small batch. But sometimes you want that consistency. That's true. Yeah. And, but I mean, it probably, you know, like I think single barrels, they have more attractiveness right now to a buyer, like, cause it's like, oh, do you know this? So it's yeah. like, let's get them in the door with the single barrels. And then once they like it, maybe they'll try our more consistent product over here.
0: And I agree with that. And I think, I actually think that, you know, small batch is a big friggin' lie, you know, because it's not regulated. Right. It's not. It's very loosely. To, it's like a small batch can be a 200, 500 barrels. Exactly. Or it can be like 20 from like Willet. You right. know, so um, and there's no obligation for them to taste anything they just go and they, they dump it no oh every there, there we go it's small batch you know and so um, I, I'm I'm hyper critical when I see a small batch on there I'm buying the, the the off the shelf I'm buying single barrel almost every day of the week over a small batch because I know that at least someone tasted it I know at least it's got it's made like some type of you know protocol whereas it's like a small batch could just be a dump. Yeah, you know, it could be a dump of a bunch of barrels.
1: Yeah. I think it's it's funny when you look at the wording that some people use. I'm surprised they haven't tried to you know, try to change that vernacular up on a lot of these bottles because I know like Jefferson's uses. I was like, about to say Jefferson's it's super, super small batch. Super <laughs> small batch or very small batch yeah. or something like that. Very, very small <laughs> batch. <badge>. Super <laughs> small batch reserve in the ocean. <laughs> Infinite infinitesimal small batch. Like I don't yeah. know like if, if people like at some point somebody's got to use some sort of other word besides small to be able to, you know, differentiate themselves because it doesn't, it doesn't have any connotation or any meaning. I mean, as you said, yeah. it could be anywhere between 20 to 200 barrels. And, uh, I think that would be something that maybe as whiskey geeks and consumers, we'd love to be able to see that be a little more regulated or say like, Hey, here's the magic number. I don't know what it would be, but you know, every yeah, everybody's like, a little so like different the, size. You know how
2: bookers has kind of changed and like put a label on each batch, I guess now to like say like, you know, these batches are different, in which they are, um, have they reduced the amount of barrels going into those or like to,
0: uh, Booker's been about 375, uh, pretty consistently. That's, so they range between 375 and 425 in their, in their dumps. Gotcha.
2: You know. So it's still seems that that number, you would blend out a lot of consistent inconsistencies, but but I guess I would think so too. I've never had like Booker's Different batches, like next to each other, I guess. Maybe we'll you know, do that it, one
0: day. I will tell you, it, of the small batching ones that use a healthy amount of barrels, I would put Booker's up there as the as the most unique and consistent to that particular brand. And because it has, you know, Booker's name on it, you know, Fred and Freddie. I mean, they take that very, very seriously. And I've been with them when they're going through that process. And you know, Beam's big enough where they can have like uh, ten different batches of like three hundred and seventy-five. You know, right. Dumps. They're like, all right, taste this batch, taste this batch. You know, so they, they are equipped to be able to handle that for a consistency to meet like the to the the branding of bookers. But um I think in general, you know, I think you know, we've never really talked about this, but I don't think you should be calling your product small batch if you have over one hundred barrels in it. Yeah. I think one hundred barrels should be like, you know, the limit. And the term is not um you know, I, and this is why I like respect Wild Turkey so much. You know, they have, I think 1200 barrels going into 101. Ain't nobody calling that small batch. They don't want to call it a small batch, yeah. you know? So, um, you know.
1: And why don't people want to sit there and, and boast about
2: really large batch? Yeah, <laughs> put, like, on, put <laughs> biggest, a label, But like <laughs> biggest batch ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, like super, super big batch. Like, like, come look at my batch. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Now they will. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, maybe that's just it.
0: That's the new thing. Everybody, Kenny Coleman gave us the secret for the future. <laughs> Big We're lar- batches. We're large batches. <laughs>
2: the largest batch there is. <laughs> then it just becomes a pissing concept. If I see that, I'll vomit. And then it's the
0: Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> They'll
2: put anything on a bottle to sell it. Oh, God, so sake, I'm yes. not surprised if they would, really. So good.
0: It's the largest so, batch. So, is Knob man. Creek
2: small batches, are they similar, you know, dumps or?
0: I don't know the exact count on them, but it's, it's, I would it's assume bigger. they're probably bigger. Yeah, uh-huh. they're bigger. I don't know the exact count. I would say they're probably closer to 500, but I don't know for sure. Yeah. That's still a lot of barrels. It's it a lot and, of barrels. And, and listen, folks, Knob Creek is uh, friggin' consistent. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really, really consistent. Yeah. And good. I don't
2: mean to talk about Knob Creek on the Baker's throwdown, but yeah, I mean, it's all it. the same family. Gosh, we had that 15 year old the other day, and man, that was like, perfectly balanced mm-hmm. like which is so good like we were blown away by it i mean it was like just
0: dried for like heaven ecstasy there, you know beam has beam has a you know some warehouses in there those aluminum skin warehouses that just breathe really well and they get heated really well in uh in the summer and they'll have some barrels in there man that will just blow your mind yeah. and uh center cut action and um i I think, uh, you know, it, and it's funny, like, we we can have this debate all day long. It's like, who has the best whiskey? I think Buffalo Trace gets this reputation for it because they actually go through a lot of effort to make sure, you know, the stuff that they're putting out there in the limited edition and all that is like, it really, it's coming from good places. It's got some good age to it. And these other guys are just like, well, you know, we got Jim Beam White label and Evan Williams and, you know, we like those checks. Right. Uh, (laughs) So that that 15-year-old is not as much of a priority to us. Sure. And so, like, I, I often wonder what the world would look like in terms of our opinions of who has the best whiskey is if, like... if beam took a very similar strategy yeah, like as the Buffalo small Trance. batch
2: series was like if they if they put as much into as the anti collection exactly yeah. so
0: what if like so if if jim beam says you know what Fuck this, like, mainstream going everywhere. Let's let's be, like, let's be very limited. Let's get only our best stocks, and let's put it out there. Think about that. They could throw Makers in there. They could do Bakers. They could do Knop Creek. They could do Bookers. I mean, you want to tell me that a 15-year-old Maker's Mark wouldn't wouldn't beat uh, a William Lou Weller? I guarantee you it
2: would. Yeah. Just, I mean, we— Well, simple math alone, I mean, Beam has so many much so much more barrels than Buffalo Trace has. I mean, there's, you know, like you said, they could really cherry-pick and fine-tune yeah. it if they wanted to. Yeah. But it's probably a pain in the ass, and Jim Beam White's paying the bills, you know. It's, it it's is. Economy's a scale sort of thing.
1: Right. You know, you, you look at where your money makers are, and you figure out, okay, yeah, we can make a splash here today. And it's, <laughs> it would be, it, what would it be? It'd be publicity, right? Mm-hmm. That's what you're going to get out of it, right? And I think that's that's always good to a degree. I mean, you, we know that Buffalo Trace plays that game better than anybody else out there, because mm-hmm. there isn't a press release that doesn't come out that isn't on one of our blogs, our friends' blogs, uh, Vine Pair,
2: Up rocks, or whatever it is, right? It's on yeah. everything. But it's, it's funny, too, like, Buffalo Trace is now, like, trying to more or less play the Beam game is their long-term vision. They're trying to get, like, as much whiskey, much as volume, much, you know, mm-hmm. consistency as possible is, like, kind of how they're pivoting towards. Um, yeah, so they're, it's funny how, like, yeah, they're, they're trying to replicate more what Beam's doing.
0: But how great would it be if every, every one of these big distilleries had like that, you know, tag kind of strategy, you know, it gave us like a portfolio every fall and we could just like really determine who is legitimately making the best whiskey. And I think, you know, Buffalo Trace, you know, overwhelmingly gets that and conversation. It, it really good. I mean, there, there's no. What's that? I mean, it, it is really good. It is it, fantastic. I mean, yeah. Every year in, year
2: out, William Weller is like always, one of my favorites, it's like so good, it's just
0: and stag typically no, and stag, e- even yeah. the bad years of stag is yeah. better than like, you know the majority of the bookers. Yeah, you know most
2: of the antique the rise are like pretty hit or miss, but the other ones are pretty solid usually. I agree. I I think you you kind of led on to something.
1: By the way, let's let's start on C a little bit. Yeah. Um, but you know I think you you really hit on something that'd be really interesting to see is if if all distilleries came out with some sort of super high end premium you know. Whatever it is, like even if let's say Wild Turkey did it and you know, they had the rare breed, super rare release. And you you don't let
2: the marketing guys dictate what it is. Exactly. Like you had the the tasting panels and the whisk the master distiller do it because a lot of them are decided by marketing teams first and then they have to kind of build something around that
0: that's exactly and, and right so yeah and i think that is why so we we complain about the marketing of buffalo trace after the the whiskey is out okay so that's i think everybody does that you're talking about the press releases and everything and they're well they know, rely on other people that's that that's they, but they're like the marketing teams are not dictating the whiskey at buffalo trace or the releases and you know whereas mar- other distillers they are exactly yes exactly and so that is like so what buffalo trace is doing is actually it's very much appealing to this connoisseur market it's appealing to the people who want to learn more about whiskey and taste more whiskey and what the other companies are doing are figuring out like you know how can we how can we make more money <laughs> you know <laughs> and uh there's no wrong we'd love answer to there. give our stock stockholders a yeah. good, good little bump this year and so, um, and you know, four roses does what they can, but they're like kind of you know one brand. Um, but I think uh, I, I think they're like annual releases. It's probably a close uh, close second for like trying to like appeal. Uh, yeah, their know,
2: limited release small batch or limited edition small batch is always up there for me every year. They spend
1: a, a good amount of time on it. And, you know, that's always another thing that, we you know, we've had Brent on the show and he talks about it. I mean, they, they do. They spend a considerable amount of time yeah. making sure that they find those barrels and everything like that. And I think what blows my mind is when we talk to him about it is he's always like, oh, yeah, we got plenty of 20-year barrels still left for these for years to come. And everybody else is like... Uh, we're, we're running pretty low over here. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it blows my mind that they still hold a lot of the stuff back for some of those super rare, unique blends and I mean, releases.
0: If, if you are a Four Roses fan, you know, the future is good for you. you mm. I mean, it really is.
1: All right. So on C, what are we, what are we pulling out here? <music> Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. the distillers who labor over the process and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus Magazine today at bourbonplus.com. That's p l u s dot com, and use code Pursuit at checkout for five dollars off your subscription. All right, so on C, what are we what are we pulling out here? I,
2: gosh, I'm gonna have to go back to B and. Uh, I'm getting a lot more ethanol. On uh, this yes, one. Like, I'm
0: getting. I'm getting like a big alcohol nose and a wood nose. Yeah. this is this is not an appealing nose for me at all. Yeah, it's, I was about to say, I was like, I kind of like the nose on
2: this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do like oak and high proof.
1: Yeah, so. I was like
0: the
2: oak. It's, oak was definitely there
0: for me. Uh, okay, so on the palate, oak, um, hint of cornbread, maybe some jerry, but the, the the oak is just too dominant. Yeah, this is this is C is not one I would recommend. Actually, this would be a this would be
1: a lower. It's. Kind of. I think this is even more, as Ryan, you'd said, like more one dimensional than the last one.
2: Yeah, it's very. Um, it's just alcohol and wood. Mm-hmm. Like as Fred said, maybe he's putting it in my mind, but uh, <laughs> I'm
0: yeah, I'm mean, also
2: into your mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if they made it like this abc but that's probably how i would rate them yeah order. definitely but well let, not to not to put the horse for the card or let me go back up, uh,
0: but let me go back to a and just spend a little more
2: time yeah the good thing yeah. is is uh, also oh my, shout out I yeah the nose on that. a is just like wow
0: phenomenal mm. it's head and heels uh shout out to joel francis who actually batch. sent
1: these samples to us so thank you joel and Joel,
0: I'm sorry that I lost my samples, but thank you for resending more. But I if Kenny and Ryan know me, so they know, like, they send me something. Yeah, it's a black hole over there. There's, there's, without an assistant, like, there's, like, no chance <laughs> I'm going to find
1: it. Well, the idea actually came. He's, he was like, hey, I'll just send you all samples and you can just have some fun with them. I was like, I've got a better idea. I about we record a podcast actually talking about it. Because oh. this is something that, you know, it, it gives us the ability to you know, talk about ourselves a little bit and taste some whiskey and kind of give us some, uh, our insights into it. Oh, you are just, Mm. man, a lip smacking on a over there. Aren't you? He's all, all up on me. I'm trying to see if I can get just a little bit more out of C here.
0: Do we have more Um, tastings coming up or can I finish this?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A is like, just do your thing. It's fruity. It's got, oak. Mm. it's got spice. I mean, it's got sugar, almonds, I mean just here it's I, perfect.
0: So do do this Ryan. Take a look at oh. So let's let this here's a little exercise. Here. Oh gosh, you can see the color alone, can't you? Yeah. So we're taking a look at the colors. Obviously, the one on the left is just dominant. But take a look at the legs. Although these are different whiskeys, they're from the same distillery. Look how similar the legs are. And this is something that I'm always kind of like, you know, talking about in my classes. Well, you can actually identify uh, some of the distilleries. You know, if you if you can confirm it's from the same distillery, of like of like their legs, and mm-hmm. they're they're kind of like they're just the beam has like a globulous uh, kind of like leg formation.
2: Yeah, and these are non chilled filtered, right? Or are they?
0: Or I can it? grab I
2: can grab one of the Baker's bottles real quick. Uh, I'll you
0: well, know. I'm pretty sure that the the old one was chilled filtered. I don't. I'm not. I'm not sure about that 13-year-old one. Gotcha. Talk amongst yourselves for a second. Yeah,
2: I mean, this, the A's like, yeah, right in my wheelhouse for me. I mean.
0: It's so good. It, it is, like, I don't know. I mean, now I'm getting, now I'm getting like a, a gorgeous, like, apple pie, like a big old, like, just that bite, like, of the corner, and you got that little bit of an apple there, and mm-hmm. little cinnamon, little nutmeg, and that just all that stuff kind of together in the and that just beautiful oh my
2: god yeah as it sit here is i get kind of it's moving more into like a peach kind of category for like peach flavors like peach cobbler the fruits are just yeah coming out i know right? it's like as it opens up it's like it's like you go to the paul's fruit market and there's like all the fruits are jumping out like
0: here i am here i am it's like they're like standing <laughs> up and dancing hey pick me i'm over here <laughs>
1: yep So it doesn't say anything about being non-chill filtered, at least on the Baker's single barrel. This is one of the latest releases. We did a whiskey quickie of this and Ryan completely destroyed the label when we were open, if you remember that. I (laughs) know. He butchered it so bad. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. It's like you took a lighter to it to try to get it off or something. Yeah.
0: You know, that's the thing about like opening those labels when the camera's on. It's like, it's risky. It is, (laughs) you know, because like, because sometimes the
2: perforation doesn't. Exactly, do what you want, and you're like, uh, and then you're like, well, damn it, just rip the damn thing, <laughs> you know.
0: <laughs> and then, like, you got people watching, and you're like, uh, need some help, but commenting, like, and then you're like, it's
2: you like go- doing a floater on a New York sour, oh, you know, man. in with, front of people, 2000 people yeah, watching, exactly. You, you
0: gotta give yourself some slack. You did such a great job. Oh, on I know. that. come on, man. I'll never
2: let that down. Nah, it's okay, it just makes me better for next time. Oh my god, make you practice
0: harder. So friggin' money, yeah. So it's ABC for me, and actually, I would say. I would say C is in such a last place, it's not even funny, and I would heavily not recommend So it. what, uh, I know um, what Evan Williams Black is like your,
2: uh, your uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Baseline. Your baseline, yes. Yeah. Yeah, your baseline. What And that's a, what, an 88? or uh,
0: 86. 86, 86. Yeah. gotcha.
2: Mm-hmm. Where do you think you would?
0: Uh, C is probably going to be like, I mean, i have to spend more time with it, but it's under 80. Uh, I'd probably put it in the 75 point, so it's drinkable it's drinkable uh but you know i'm not wanting to drink it yeah so i think when i when i go back to b and
1: c i know you all are just falling in love with they over there and i'll I'll probably venture back that way here eventually yeah,
0: we're, we're over here like hey what's going on
1: here? <laughs> we've already poo-pooed on b and c it's yeah it's just like uh, i don't even want to make a bad analogy but when I go back to A, or sorry, B and C, I think B has a little bit more character, a little bit more spice on the finish. Uh, as you had mentioned, C is a little bit more just kind of like oak water. Um
2: Not to say that there
1: anything super
2: bad, in so, my uh, opinion about it. So what Kenny's saying is, but,
0: there's a chance. Yeah.
2: I mean, B does have a little, like, kind of honey, um, like sugary. Goat, like, 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 taste like, B and C real quick next, next to one another. Yeah, whereas C is, like, for me, oak water with alcohol. <laughs> it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. B's a little more uh has some more depth to it and so before we uh do a
1: reveal i mean where do you think these all stack up i mean i think we got to know a's got to be the 13 year single or limited right
2: i would think so but i've been if it's not i mean that
1: would that would that would really be a really kick in the ass so
0: we have a
2: 13 year single what else i would
0: i would say if it comes if if it comes out like where it's not the 13 year old i'd say then the pores got mixed up because there is no way that's that's one of the other ones. Well, I guess because we'll that, find that, it out that color, it, the color alone. Oh, it's yeah. an easy. I mean, the color alone just says it's got some depth to it, and it's not a, and it's not a cast ring. So mm-hmm. I blinked out for a second. What did you did you say? What you would rate A is? Uh, A's gonna be a is going to be in the nineties. Uh, I mean, I really need to spend some time with it. Yeah, uh, but this is, um, you know, and I'm. You know, funny thing is I'm actually not doing many ratings these days cause I'm pushing everything through, you know, YouTube and I'm not writing as much, um, because I'm just so slammed and I, my process, I don't believe in like giving a rating unless I could taste it three times in three different ah, days. You. But, uh, I definitely believe this is probably between like a 92 and a uh, 95 well here start the bakery madness
2: <laughs> you heard it here first well, i mean if <laughs> Fred it Minnick effect if it is the 13 year single bar which we
1: all all believe it is because of just the color alone and depth and everything like that i mean this has been sold out for a while yeah. right so yeah. uh anybody finding that because it came in a you know a beautiful like silver packaging and all this other kind of stuff too so uh cheers to anybody
0: out there that actually is able to snag
2: a bottle god of that's it. so good yeah that's a. Uh, that's
0: three thumbs up. I want I want I want a review,
2: uh, reviewing system for us. This would mm-hmm. be three thumbs up.
0: I want to taste this up against um you know, throw in some other like um find the, the 12-year-old Elijah Craig's, you know, the get some things in that 12-year-old to uh, 15-year-old range. I want to put this in a blind tasting up against that, an old rip, you know, the the 12-year. Mhm. And uh, and see how it comes out. I think this would fare really, really well in a blind competition. Well, I mean, it's doing great now. Well, he's got some stuff over there. Yeah, yeah.
1: We can, <laughs> we can we can we'll have a heyday down here. I guess the the other thing, is kind of question to you all is when we start looking at when we are releasing things and the age statements and the price points, things are a little bit all over the place. Um, when we look at like say Elijah Craig twelve year and we say it is you know the barrel proof version of it and it has a retail of like 65 dollars we're mm-hmm. all like okay yeah bang on like that's it and then you look at something like say like michter's 10 that mm-hmm. is lower in age but also comes with like almost a triple price point like and 100 120 150
0: well i like, think i think they're you know uh they have a, a fewer bottles than the elijah one and their sourcing in the sourcing so you have you have some economic layers there uh when it comes to that um and then you also you also have the and this is the this is the realistic truth is that some of these companies are pricing based on the secondary market it's true oh yeah they're pricing on the secondary market and some companies uh, like uh, Buffalo Trace and Heaven Hill uh, don't really, you know, they, they see it, they know it's there, they don't like the secondary market, but they're not letting it dictate their SRPs. And so when you see these high SRPs, like Whistlepig's a great example. Before he died, you know Dave Pickerel told me that he's like, I'm pricing this so no one can sell it on the secondary market. And that was like his Boss Hog series. I was like, well, congratulations, because everybody fucking hates you now, because it's $600. <laughs> and, it's, and it's not moving. It's not moving. It's moved. not moving. Mission accomplished, <laughs> <It's> not <laughs> But it's good, but you know, um, you know, so, you know, that's the realistic aspect here, is that these higher price points from something like Michter's 10-year-old, they are, you know, and those rooms are like, how do we make this secondary proof? Oh, well, I got an idea. Let's charge three times the amount as Elijah Craig barrel proof. I mean, I don't know if that came up as a conversation, but that's the that's the realistic. But
1: situation. you can't fault them, right? No. And then it's and it's definitely two different sides of the situation here. I mean, we look at it from an economic perspective. Yes, if you're a brand owner and you want to capture that revenue that market share right now absolutely like yeah sure go ahead and make a few extra bucks on it because it's i guess what it doesn't really matter at some point it's going to end up on secondary anyway
2: yeah it doesn't it's you're never going to stop that from happening it's any business you're like always trying to find that balance of price versus you because you want to sell but you don't want to give it away so it's like always like a thing you got to finally you want to price it to where you make good margins but you don't want to overprice it to so it's just it's a, always walking that and right now it's all selling so they're just gonna probably keep poking the bear until they find out where there's resistance and right now there has been no resistance
1: and you're in a tricky situation that you don't want to piss off your existing consumer base I mean these are the people that have kept you there as Fred always said who takes you to the dance and everything yeah, like yeah, that yeah and, and if you continue I mean that's that is always the one thing that I will get to Sazerac and Buffalo Trace is that they yes. will they will only I mean we've always see marginal increases but that's just inflation in general and, and it's not to say like oh shit like we're we're leaving 300 percent on the table every single time we sell a bottle they continue to try to stay at a reasonable srp for everything that they try to do because i feel that they look at the long game they look at the long-term solution of what whiskey is going to be and they don't want people to hate their product because of all of a sudden
2: you know they're you then say, it's like twofold. they get hate because there's not enough product. And well, so it's uh, like, you can't
0: win. And, uh, and, and almost like, you know, we talked about the the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection, kind of like setting the bar for like the, like how to do the releases. I mean, Buffalo Trace also has a lot of pressure on them because they are kind of like carrying the the American whiskey industry from a quality perspective Unlike these limited edition releases and no one else is, you know, doing anything like that. So they have a lot more pressure on them and a lot more eyeballs on them. And I do think they're priced too low. I really do. And I think it's great if you can find a a BTAC for 99 bucks. Congratulations. But the retailers who get those bottles, they're like, I'm not going through this. This is 1,200 bucks. And so they then get that kind of like backlash. And Buffalo Trace says, well, it's not our fault. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's... I think they they could very easily move it like sub 300 and
2: get no pushback.
0: I think you're and, right.
2: And uh and if they didn't do that, the laws have changed so
1: much that they could just sell it on their own in the gift shop. Right. Or even online. Yep.
0: I uh, think that place would burn down if they sold it on the, <laughs> the gift shop. I don't, <laughs> I, don't, have, I don't
2: they're tired of people showing up for
0: plans. I couldn't I, imagine. I don't, doing I don't I don't I don't see that. VTAC stuff. Yeah, I do not see them being able to like uh you know, handle the riots that would happen. You know, I mean, people are passionate about you know, this stuff. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean,
2: we know we get yeah, there's How m- campers or blends there for Christ's sakes. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine for a B tag? They're like, we're going to do a thousand bottles at our gift shop. Oh, I my mean, gosh. there'd be campers out there. There'd be 50,000 like, like like RVs. There'd be RVs. Of there'd people. be 50,000 people up and down whatever road that is. Mm-hmm. Just camping out, waiting to storm into, oh, into the God. property.
0: I, oof. yeah. I mean, they, remember the, well, you guys aren't old enough, but in the eighties, there is cabbage patch. Like when the cabbage patch dolls came out, the parents were like fighting in the aisles to get like, like beanie these, babies it was ridiculous and they would beat each other up with baseball bats and it was like the first sign of like how like you could see how americans really were give me mine you know and uh oh, like, would that, be like that's, that. your, that's your category of like this is this is america yeah right <laughs> <laughs> this is america this is like how we are we're just like yep mine not yours and um Anyway. So so to bring it back to Baker's, y'all want to do the
1: reveal? Yes. Yeah. All right, let's do it. So let's go ahead and make this happen. Also, I want to give a shout out to Beth Burroughs because Beth has been a big champion of Baker's for a very long time, uh, alumni of the show. And so always great to uh, hear
2: her thoughts on things. So Blake's been on the Baker's train for a while too. He's got a ton of old, the old Baker's uh, bottles. He's got quite a few of them. So
1: gentlemen, we are correct. A it was Baker's thirteen, not a question and doubt, right? So very good, very good guys. Good job. So um I'll let you I'll let you do the next guess. B and C. What do y'all think it is?
0: Uh, I think uh
2: B's probably I think C is probably whatever the larger batch, but I could be wrong. Okay. Fred, where are you at?
0: Um so the 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 old uh, the old wax one.
1: hmm Which one do you think that is? I think that's B. Think that's B? Yeah. All right. Well, Fred, you're on point today, buddy. B is the old Baker's seven small batch. And then C is the new Baker's single barrel. So yeah, there you go. That gentlemen. makes sense. Yeah. And I think that's the that's the weirdest thing about what we were going to be able to see with bakers, especially with the, you know, we taught we called it oak water, right? I mean, that's but it's a single barrel. Every single one's gonna be different. Yeah, and you, you who knows to what you're one, gonna get next time. Like, I mean, like, I don't know which one we got sent. We've got another one here, which was I mean, they literally put everything, the warehouse and the serial number and everything on here, mm-hmm. especially the age. I mean, you know, they, they say seven year minimum on the label, but this one was actually eight years and six months that I have in front of me. But who knows what the the you know the sample and, that was And Baker's
2: course. is the exact same mash knob creek bookers. Yep. That yeah, it's not on the high rab urban yep. of uh, old granddad and, and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm granddad and basil
0: so so the you know what's interesting um about this is that i remember this okay so this is going to be going back for people if you are if you're an old school whiskey drinker c reminds me of what uh old taylor tasted like when beam was putting it out and they had a six-year-old is i think they had a six-year-old age statement It it tastes just like um like that from when, when they had it. And so, and it was, Oakwater was kind of like a you know, description for it. So I'm curious to find out if they were, if they're using the same barrels from that warehouse, uh, from that time. But, you know, when, when beam sold Taylor to, um, Sazerac, you know, they just didn't give a shit about it. So it was a bottom shelf. And it's amazing to think about this, but it was a bottom shelf six-year-old in, you know, I would buy it in like 2007, 2008. And, um, and quickly put it away because it's like, oh, yeah, this is not good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Fred, I guess one question to ask you
1: as we kind of start wrapping this up because, you know, you were, as you just said, you know, buying a lot of stuff in 2000, 2008, 2007, 2008 time. Mm-hmm. Myself, I started like buying hardcore in like probably 2013. Mm-hmm. So I maybe became even before the huge influx of like 2014, 2015, but you were there seven years before me so kind of talk about like what you saw on the shelf back then too
0: well the shelf was the uh days. yeah the shelf was kind of like uh, a little a little lazy like now everything is like uh spruced up and uh, the retailers got the lights pointed at the ones they want you to look at and so now there's like it's like an experience going into a liquor store but back then it would be like you know all the heaven hill products would be like way down here like only like alcoholics were buying it, you know, <laughs> yeah. right? And I'm like a jug of six year old for uh, fucking seven dollars. I'm going to grab that, you know. I mean, it's like so like the Heaven Hill old style six year old green label. I've always been buying. that. Oh yeah. But things like um like Old Taylor and and Benchmark uh, were there. The the beautiful finds for for the whiskey the whiskey heads was like well a twelve year old. I mean there would be got a right aid and it's just <laughs> yeah I mean it was like Knob Creek is today is like Weller 12 year old is everything I mean that is what I bought I bought a lot of Weller 12 year old and I bought a lot of um uh what else did I buy you know back then I I bought a lot of old Overholt. Uh, I like the I like the taste of um what they used to do with that with that Ryan. I think it you know knowing what I know now I mean obviously they had older barrels going into it uh but um you know that's changed quite a bit but the liquor store was um, was definitely quite a bit different. The brands that, I mean, there would be, there, w- there wouldn't be, the Pappy was was known at this point. So it would get pulled and put in the locked case and and most of the times. But, yeah, and, but and you, was this like for you? For, like for me then, like I was buying,
2: like Elijah Crook 12 was like a premium bottle to me at like 25 bucks. I was like, gosh, yeah. that's a lot of money. For a small and, batch uh, for me was. Uh, yeah. And then, uh but you'd look at like Pappy or something, you're like, gosh, 50 dollars for I remember buying a presidential eighteen Jefferson's and it was yeah, like that was where I was it was going, like yeah. seventy five bucks or yeah. eight, and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like I'm like rich right I now. Know. You know? And I would like panic buying it, you know.
0: I'll never forget buying the uh Jefferson's uh presidential uh seventeen year old uh that we've been able to validate was basically Stitze liquid that was they was competing. At that time they were buying a bunch of like Stitzwiller stuff from, there were like five people trying to buy it. And they got like honey barrels, Jefferson's did. Trey was really good at getting those barrels. Um, and I'll never forget, you know, buying that. After tasting it, at, I think I tasted it at Corbett's. That's, that's what I would do. I would taste stuff before I would buy it. Oh yeah, it. Corbett's. Had a uh, nice patio, that's right by your house. Yeah, I miss that place. Yeah, uh, And so I bought that bottle. And I'll never, I'll never forget, I was like, I've tasted and I was like, my God, I think it was 80 bucks. And uh, I was like, I would miss an electric bill every single day of the month <laughs> to have another one of these. Because, I mean, that's basically what an electric bill was at the time. Was like 80 bucks, 80, 90 bucks. And... Uh, that's how I would look at things. I would look at it in terms of like a cell phone bill or an electric bill, like is this the month that I can do without my cell phone? <laughs> yes, it is. And um awesome. the thing is is those bottles were on the shelf, you know. They weren't behind the case. There wasn't like all these other things and their uh little things like Templeton was just starting to come out. And you know, you would see that bottle, uh, one that caught my eye was Redemption. I became a very early fan of Redemption um and of course they would sell and all that but they used to have these uh you know 8 and 9 10-year-old cash strength rye that to me kind of that kind of like create I think Redemption did more to create the connoisse- connoisseurship level of of rye than uh than any other brand between like you know 2008 and 2012 because they were putting it out at cash strength and getting the right barrels and, Yeah. And so that that's just the stuff that was that was out there, and and you know, and I was I was going. This is when I was writing for Tasting Panel, and so I would I was going and I was very much absorbing everything that I could. And th- there's also the fact that when you write about this stuff, and as you all know, you get samples. And this was a time where they weren't sending me little bitty bottles; they were sending me entire bottles. And like I was writing about Scotch and vodka, I, sl- I actually wrote about vodka. At one point in my career. We all have our down times. So. Yeah. I, I had to pay the bills <laughs> and I would get sent vodka. And then I would have uh, you know, wine sent. And I mean, there was a time I was getting like, you know, two, 300 packages a week, but things like the Jefferson's reserve, uh, like the 18 year old and the Pappy's and stuff. I never got samples of those things. They didn't, and they didn't really start sending uh, Buffalo trace antique uh, samples until like 2010. So it's, uh, I look back on that time uh, very fondly. But most of those bottles are gone, you know, because I've always spent a lot of money on uh, on bourbon. Every year, the price goes up because you, you meet people that have bottles and... Um, and there's yeah. never
2: enough whiskey. There's never no. enough. Never yeah, enough. It's, You're taking me back to like, I remember when... You know, because I was Elijah Craig, Heaven Hill, Homer, and I think the first brand that kind of got me to like stray away from that was Bullet, because it was like so market. It was like one of the first brands makers was always marketed heavily, but Mm -hmm. like Bullet and Bullet Rye was the first Rye I had, and kind of sent me down liking Ryes or whatever down the rabbit. But like kudos to them, because they like you know were really out there, out in your face, and yeah, you know uh, that kind of got me to try different things. And yeah, I mean, it is it's. You're like, it's the frontier of bourbon. Like, you know, I gotta, gotta try it.
0: (laughs) Uh, And uh, and that was, so when my introduction to, uh, you know, bullet, you know, it came pretty quickly because again, they were heavily marketed. And so like any fresh writer, you know, the, that's how these, that's how these brands look. Ooh, a new writer. Into the space, let's get him and let's get him on our side and have him writing something positive about him. Well, you start looking into Bullet, and you've got like fifteen blog posts from Chuck Cowdery from you know two thousand one to like two thousand five. He's like fraud, 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 fraud. Not true, not true, not true. I was like, oh, interesting. And so, like uh, you know, and that was Bullet is one of the great stories of um, of being introduced to like whiskey backstories, you know, and the fact that Augustus Bullet is arguably not, you know, wasn't a distiller. They say he was a distiller. They say there was a recipe, but they can't find it, you know, and Chuck's like, there's no, he's not on a census anywhere. It's uh, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating study of that time in that, like, everybody felt like you had to have a backstory. So any kind of whiskey brand that was coming out, you know, kind of followed that template. And now people are like, uh, we're barrel bourbon with two L's. You know, and so it's just, it's a very, very different time. But, um, you know, from a marketing perspective, you know, it was, I I look back on that as like, that was when I kind of like, uh, honestly, that's how I made my career, was like, you know, calling out brands and trying to, you know, get to the bottom of things. And...
1: um, Well, somebody's gotta come on the bullshit at once a while, right? Yeah,
0: I mean, now it's like, you got a legion of people, so it's not as important, but, and most people are, you know, trying to do the right thing, but... uh, at the time, like uh that's why Ch- Chuck Cowdery is like so important to me. And, you know, in addition to being a friend, is like he kind of like he was kind of like this wh- he's like a god he's the godfather of, of uh American whiskey writing. And so as I was kind of getting into the profession, you know, he's talking to me about like, you know, uh the backstories, what's real, what's not, who to believe, who to trust, who not to trust, and you know, it was, it, it, I look back on that time very fondly, but I will say that I do have quite a few regrets, and I would have done a lot of things differently. But uh, I'm okay.
1: <laughs> we'll say We'll say the regrets for another episode. Yeah. yeah. Part I think it'll be, two. I think it'll be a good one. Fred's regrets. <laughs> Whole hour. <laughs> so let's go ahead and we'll wrap this up. So I think uh, A was the clear winner. So Baker's yeah. thirteen. Cheers to Beam, and uh, I mean spectacular release. I mean it just hit it hit all the check boxes. I think for a lot of us here. So.
0: And Baker, I hope you hope you see this. I hope you're doing well. Cheers to you, my friend.
1: Yeah, fantastic job. Yep. So make sure you follow and like Bourbon Pursuit on all the social medias and support us on patreon.com slash And you can find us on every single podcast outlet channel as well. This has been a special episode. Thank you to Joel Francis who sent us these samples. Shout out to Beth Burroughs who's always been a champion of Baker's as well. And we will see you all next week. See ya. Toodles.